G'day, I'm Osher Ginsberg, and I want to welcome you to the latest IKEA podcast series, Behind the Brand, the co-workers of IKEA. Join me as we take a peek inside the big blue box and get to know the people at the heart of the IKEA brand. We'll hear stories from co-workers as they take us on a journey through the IKEA culture and values, the very essence of what makes IKEA, IKEA. We'll also learn more about what IKEA stands for as a business, including climate action, equality, and supporting the communities in which it operates. Today, we'll be speaking with Hattie Lollum, Goods Flow Manager in Flow at IKEA Tempe. How long have you been with IKEA? So I've been with IKEA for six years. I actually started in this store and then I went to our distribution centre. I have a bit of a passion for cardboard boxes. I have a bit of a passion for pallets, a bit of a running joke that Hattie doesn't do pretty, but I love racking and forklifts. That's my passion is stock. So I spent some time in our distribution centre. Then I went to our customer distribution centre, helping the online uh, side of IKEA come together, really. And then about a year and a half ago, I came back to the store as Goods Flow In Manager. So I'm responsible for the stock that comes into the store. No pressure. (laughs) And the amazing team that help replenish the store every day. When you say you work in the distribution center, I'm guessing this is a building that is equivalent of size to an airport somewhere out in the west of Sydney. It is. So it's it's really, really large. I, I can't remember the exact size, but I can tell you that it's massive. It has its own crane system where it retrieves and places the pallets in its own storage locations. And they also not only supply customers with their online orders, but they also supply all the stores. So some of our stock comes in to directly to us via containers, but then some of it comes in from there as well. So a huge squad of people works 24 hours a day to make sure that they get it out, not only to you as a customer, but us as a store. And it's mega. I can only imagine the systems in place to make sure all that works, but not only that, but to make sure you keep everybody safe amongst all of that stuff moving around must be intense. Yeah. You know what? We, I'm very fortunate that I work for a company that value safety and their people as their greatest asset. And even my team, I mean, my guys get to work at two o'clock in the morning and they start unloading trucks, you know, and to have to have them safe and to keep them safe and to keep our whole team safe. We do lots of really strategic things. We have traffic management plans. We even have leveled out breaks so that everybody isn't getting tired. Our team as a team actually all has breakfast together, regardless of what time they started, between 7.30 and 8 o'clock. So it's a good chance for us to all come together. This is where we're at and see what the rest of the team's doing because replenishing an entire IKEA store in a couple of hours is not an easy feat and it does not take two people. It takes a massive crew. I can only imagine that when you're dealing with that many pallets, like the, 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 the thing on the shelf isn't the end of the journey. What do you like? What about all the plastic wrap? What about all the packaging? Like you'd obviously have to deal with all that stuff as well. Oh yeah. So we recycle like everything that comes off. So very interesting fact, if the next time you're in Ikea, have a look at our pallets. Our pallets are actually made of cardboard. And our cardboard pallets are 100% recyclable. So we're dealing with a lot of garbage every day, but we sort it out. Our whole team gets together at the bins. We sort out all the plastic, which gets recycled. We sort out all the strapping. We sort out all the cardboard. So it doesn't just go into landfill. What does it mean to you to work somewhere that takes that sort of thing so seriously? 
Oh, I think that's really, really important because an interesting fact that a lot of people don't know about IKEA is that we actually spend a lot of time uh, and energy in renewing our products and renewing our processes to create less waste. For example, we have a chair that is made of recycled PET bottles and sawdust and then it's compressed molded. So it's completely made from waste. It's actually a really comfortable chair too. And that came because they realized that there's a lot of waste out of those two products. And that's that's really inspiring as well, because you feel like me riding my bike to work is making a little bit of a difference, but I work for a giant company that was also making a difference. And I think that's that's really gratifying. And it definitely gives you a sense of renewed faith in big companies and to work for a company that has that ethic at heart, uh, not only in Australia, but also through the whole world is really good. I'm very proud to say that I work for IKEA. So the the aspect of being together, it, it kind of extends beyond the blue walls? Totally, totally does. Absolutely. You're a very visual person. Like when people f- see you from across the room, they can tell immediately a fair bit about who you are because of what you project. Yes. But not everybody's like that. Among your team, I'm imagining that you've got, what, 30-something, 30 35 people in your team? Yeah, nearly 40 people in Goods Flow in. Yeah, so I'm, I'm imagining that among those people you have, you have human beings from all walks of life, right? Our team is so diverse. I have really, really young co-workers studying at university. I have a granddad, actually someone who recently became a granddad, but we've got a real mishmash of everyone, different cultures, different genders. We have someone who's transitioning. It's just about them as a person and the values that they bring. I can teach skill set, but I can't teach you to be a decent person. So we have a really diverse team that brings so many different things and so many life experiences and really good ideas because someone who is a granddad has very different ideas to someone who is 20 years old. They're not necessarily wrong or right. They often bring something different. So it's great to have a team that is so diverse. It just works. What's the thing, what's the glue that holds it all, all those different people? Uh, I think number one, it's our love of Ikea. We all really, really like working here. You know, if I'm wearing my shirt out and people see it's Ikea, they go, oh, Ikea. They love it. We love it. Our team loves it. But the thing they love the most is the just the environment itself. And that's what holds it all together because they know that no matter who they are, they fit in. You know, it's they bring something different and they will be accepted and their ideas will be heard. And, you know, you can be free. You can say, hey, I've got this really good idea. Of course. Awesome. Bring it forward. Let's give it a crack. And that's what holds our team together. Early on in your career there, if you moved down from my old hometown of, of Brisbane, if, I'm, mm. if I do recall, when you first started at IKEA, do you recall a moment when like the first time where you might maybe spoke up with an idea and someone went, hey, nice one, Hattie, thanks. We'll see what we can do about that. Yeah, I remember. I think I can't even remember what it was, but I know that I was like, hey, because my background is logistics. So I, I, I brought something in and said, hey, do you guys do this like this? And someone did say that. They said, hey, that's actually a really good idea. Uh, show me what you mean by that. And instantly I felt, oh, oh my goodness, someone's listening to me. I've got a good idea. And that's the way we want all our coworkers to feel. And that's why even if an idea may not be used, it may not be used now, it may be used later, or it may be used by another team. So it's always an environment that people can actually come up with a good idea. When you go to Ikea, and I, find, I kind of find this interesting because, again, 
because it's 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 hard to ignore. And I, I only ask about this. Like visually, you're a very a striking person, and you represent a part of our society and our community just by who you are as as you walk around. What do you think that does for a customer when they see someone like you in the store? Do you know what? A lot of people, and because I'm obviously wearing a uniform, it's a really good conversation starter. I think a lot of people, given that aesthetically I'm probably a lot to take in, I'm very tall, um, I'm very heavily tattooed, and a lot of people find that as a good way to perhaps even ask a question of someone that like that looks like me, they've always wanted to ask, but perhaps haven't been able to because it hasn't been the right environment. When it's at Ikea and I'm helping you with your table or your Lego solution or something like that, the conversation will often be, oh, I once got a tattoo or my son got a tattoo or, you know, what do you do at Ikea? You're wearing a blue shirt. You know, it's a good conversation starter. And often I get some of the most hilarious conversations. I had an old lady tell me, she goes, if I was 20 years younger, I'd be covered in tattoos. I said, would you? She goes, yes, I've got one. I was like, do you? Where is it? She's like, I can't tell you. I was like, (laughs) 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 Yeah, when you see, when I see a bloke in his 20s with a forearm tattoo, I'm like, yeah, whatever. When I see a guy in his 70s with a forearm tattoo, I'm like, there's a story there. (laughs) You know? Totally. There was a time when a tattoo below the elbow, I remember we called them job stoppers. Like, that's what we called them. Because, like, if, well, it's in in Brisbane. I'm older than you, Hattie, but there was a time, Brisbane was a very, very conservative place. There was a time where if you had a visible tattoo, you weren't getting employed. Oh, totally. And the thing is, I'm very lucky. I mean, I wear ridiculous glasses. A funny story about my glasses and tattoos. I was once duty manager and I got called down to help a customer who was feeling quite stressed and quite escalated. And I walked down there and he took one look at me and he's like, I was so angry, but you look so ridiculous in those glasses. I'm not angry anymore. And so, (laughs) you know, it is a very accepting company. And a lot of my, like, actually all of my tattoos are quite fun and they're, they're very brightly coloured. I have Lego, I have food, I have lipstick. So often because they are quite colourful, it's not uh, intimidating or a deterrent. People are often quite fascinated because they are so bright. So they'll often ask, oh, wow, you know, are they real? It's a good conversation starter. So we've been hearing a lot about, obviously, with everyone working from home and people not being able to leave their homes for the first part of 2020, there was a lot of emphasis on shelf stackers at the supermarket. We've all seen that. You know, we've seen the people, they walk down with that little trolley and they put 47 cans of beans back on a shelf, all right? What's the IKEA version of that? Like the store shuts, let's say 7 p.m. What happens as soon as the last customer leaves? Well, everyone does this. (sighs) (laughs) They go have a Gatorade. (laughs) They recover for a minute. They all go home and then all the logs guys come in. So that's anyone that wears blue. We all come in. Then we come up with a plan on what we're going to do and how we're going to get through it. So we have our trucks ready to go. We've got our replenishers ready to go. We get our teams in their spot and then we just hit go and we go. I have high reach drivers. I have unloaders. I've got replenishers. I've got a really amazing diverse team. And our team's really good because they're very multi-skilled. So someone, you might start your day on a forklift, but you might end your day stacking cups. So depending on what the, what the workload actually is from what was sold yesterday depends on where we put our people. 
This all does sound like it's it's a it's a it's a well designed system, and it it obviously works because when the store opens the next day, everything's back in order. But it, it seems that what you do with that team breakfast at nine o'clock that really kind of fits in with this idea of togetherness within your team, right? Yeah, definitely. Look, our our workload is so large. None of us could do this without each other. And it's one of the IKEA values that we in logistics hold really close, me personally, but also our whole team, because we can't do it by ourselves. I can't replenish a whole store by myself and neither can anyone else. We actually need each other. And we're very adaptable. Like I said, our team, you know, one minute you'll be on a forklift, then it's like, oh, we've got an extra thing of cups. Quick, everyone get into cook shop. So we're really adaptable like that and we all just move around. Having breakfast together is always hysterical because it gives you that time out. Our job is so full on from day dot, like boom, 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 boom. You come in at two, you don't stop. But at that time we get to kind of relax, have a coffee, have a croissant. We have really good breakfast at Ikea, by the way, in case anyone was wondering. And then we get back to it. So it's it's really good. It's a good sort of downtime, but also, hey, we're nearly there. We're nearly at that finish line. That door's going to open at 10 and all those people are going to run in. So it's a good it's a good <laughs> chance for us to get together before that happens. Kind of the last hurrah. People listening have an idea of how much is on a pallet. How many pallets on average, are you putting back into the shelves every night? Well, look, I mean, if you think about even the pallets that come out of trucks, let's say the average container holds, let's say call it 100 pallets, we might get six trucks. That's 600 pallets. Then we've got the stuff as you walk around warehouse, you know, when you walk around the warehouse, you look up, you see all that stock, some of that will come down. So you're talking about a lot of stock moving around and we just try and follow the process and keep it really simple. It's a lot of numbers. It's a lot of movements. It's it's a lot of parameters and this, that, and the other. But if we just do what we do, it just works. There's no point overcomplicating it. That chair needs to go there. You know, <laughs> that cup needs to go there. And the main thing is too, with the togetherness thing, I actually need the sales guys to make sure that they've got everything organized because I can't do my job and replenish those 600 pallets if the space isn't ready. So I rely really heavily on the rest of the store when they leave at the end of the night and they've dealt with people all day that it's ready for my guys to come in and just get it in there. They can do it. Then they come in the next morning. They're like, wow, it's all been replenished. It looks so nice in here. (laughs) So it's them as well. And that's part of the togetherness too. We do handovers every morning. I'm like, hey, got an extra pallet of cups. Do you want this? You know, and they're like, yes, they were a huge seller yesterday. Everyone was making tea. So I work really well and my whole team works with the rest of the store as well. And even our common team, here's an interesting fact. Every Ikea store actually has their own interior design team. So all those room sets are all done by proper interior designers. That is not my skill set. Um, <laughs> I don't do pretty. I can't do them. I can put the stock there, but I can't do that. I even work with those guys. I mean, if they're they're showcasing new products, I've got to make sure that it's it's there for customers and it looks great and it's it's amazing to buy. Hattie, you mentioned that it is quite a complicated task and it sounds daunting. Why is simplicity important when it is such a daunting task? A lot of people could get quite overwhelmed. You know, it's a lot of numbers. It can cause people stress. You've got forklifts, you've got pallets, you've got people. If you just follow the process and keep it really simple, it gets done. It's efficient. It's just far better and more streamlined. Everyone knows what they've got to do. It's just much easier. It's way less stress. It may be exhausting, but it's not mentally draining. You're like, I'm just going to get in, going to do it. 
When it comes to yourself and creating your own processes, do you look for ways that you can simplify those processes? Of course, but I also get a lot of feedback from my team because they're the ones that come up with better ways of doing things. And they're like, hey, we've been doing like this like this for the same amount of time, but I found a better way to do it that saves me heaps of time. And they're often the solution drivers that come up with the great ideas and then I get them to share them with the rest of the team. You know, even something so simple, if we have someone new, I'll be like, hey, teach blah, blah how to do that. She'd love to learn how to do that. You're really quick at that or, you know, you're really good at this. Teach them how to do that. So it's my team that often come up with the solutions because they're the one using it every day and then we share it which works really well. And we actually share a lot of stuff between stores as well. So if one store has a good idea, they'll often share it with the other stores. And I actually have a really good relationship with the other two stores in Sydney. If something's gone wrong or they've come up with a good idea, we'll often pick up the phone and be like, hey, have you seen this happen before? And they'll be like, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. That's really easy. You just do this to solve it. And that's really good too. And that comes to back to the togetherness thing that we still do work with the rest of the country and also the even the rest of the state. I often have had a phone call at 4am in the morning with my, uh, my best mate over at Rhodes trying to work out a solution to something that we're both experiencing. Far out. So when do you start work? What's your average day? When do you begin? decided that I'm going to ride my bike to work because I eat a lot of cake. In order to eat a lot of cake, go got to exercise. But also it's much better for the environment. I often get up at 4, 3.34, ride to work, get to work maybe 5, and then my day starts. I, I'm a big fan of, of riding a bicycle to work. I happen to know that you don't have a television, but I do work in television. And we did have a set that was, it was 18 kilometers from my house, which is that's an hour. So I would ride an hour to work and ride an hour home. And I totally get it. Riding a bicycle to work gets you your brain working. So by the time you land, you're like, I'm ready. Here we are. Because I guess when you're in a car, it's your own space and you haven't, you almost haven't left home until you get out of the car because it's still your space. It's your little secret little cocoon. And so you haven't really been out in the world, you know. That's what, at least what I found. And so on the way to work, it would it would get my brain working, get all the juices flowing and get everything ready to go. And so I'd hit it firing. And on the way home, it would allow all the stuff to decompress. And so I'd be able to walk in the door free of everything. I don't know if that's your experience as well. Totally the same. And you know what? Sometimes I come up with the best ideas as I'm riding along. I'll be like, oh, I just had an idea. And then I come to work, I'll be like, guys, I had this great idea. And they're like, oh, God, here we go. Um, <laughs> I was like, I've had this epiphany as I was riding through the six degrees this morning. Yeah. And when you do ride your bicycle to work, you really you can eat anything you want. It's the best part about it. Well, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been shy about talking about your, your love of cake. Yes, I'm a big food fan. Actually, my whole team are food fans. All we talk about is food. It's quite funny, actually. What is it about cake, Hattie? Uh, look, I just love it. <laughs> you can put one in each hand, you know, <laughs> it just makes it easy. <laughs> As a bit of a joke, I'll be honest, it's a bit of a joke. I actually have the word cake forever tattooed across my stomach. Funny enough, the word cake is written like cake and the word forever is written like cream as if it was out of a piping bag. Amazing. This is a podcast, so people may not be able to appreciate the visual glory that is you, Hattie, but <laughs> there, there, there's, a fair, there's a fair amount of tattooing going on. When did the tattooing start? Oh, look, it started when I was 16. I got a boy's name tattooed on my back. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, that's since gone and been covered up, but I actually don't have any space left. I have my arms, I have my legs, I have pretty much everything done, but they're all very fun. Like, for example, my arm is all shoes. I love shoes. And then on this side, I've got pop art, huge fan of artwork. So it's a bit of a mix of everything. My legs have a lot of food on them. I've got a, a soy koi, you know, the little fish that you get when you get sushi from Sushi Train. Yeah. I've got that. Yeah. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it all. And, uh, and tell me about, because I'm guessing the shoes that you wear to work that have some sort of steel cap situation, right? Yeah, it's pretty glamorous, my work. I wear high-vis, I wear steel cap boots, uh, but I also wear lipstick, so <laughs> it's a good combination. But at home, what's the shoe situation there? Oh, the shoe situation is ridiculous. It's out of control. Look, I'm I'm a huge fan of fashion. So to your point, I didn't I don't own a TV, but I do read a lot. I read a lot of magazines. I uh, read a lot of fashion magazines. I read a lot of books in general. I often get on Pinterest and have a look at what's going on. But yeah, definitely a huge fan of fashion. High heels, even though I am incredibly tall, I'm five foot nine. I still will wear some gargantuan heels, you know, just to rock over to Coles these days by Hot Chook. That's the only place we're wearing these things during this COVID. Yeah, pretty much. I'm going to draw a conclusion here and, and you can tell me that I'm completely wrong, but my wife watches a lot of detective shows and I've seen them do this sometimes. You're a beautiful woman. You've got a lot of tattoos. Uh, it says here you like to roller skate. What is your roller derby name? Oh, okay. So I did give up roller derby a little while ago, but I actually but used you did to do teach. It. Yeah. <laughs> I actually used to teach baby roller derby. So I used to teach little girls under 17 how to roller skate. And I had a, like a little league of little girls on skates. It was the best. Do you have a roller derby name? Yeah, my roller derby name was Mad Hatter. Got it. Perfect. So <laughs> I never played roller derby, but I was given a roller derby name by a friend of mine. She's passed away, unfortunately, but she even made me a jersey from her team over in Perth. My roller derby name, because I'm vegan, Meat Loath. <laughs> That's awesome. I think they were called the Apocalyptics. I think it was her apocalyptics. Team. Yeah, I love, I love a, I love the pun situation in roller derby. It's great. We were talking about simplicity before. Mm. I have yearned for simplicity. Sometimes I can get overwhelmed because there are just so many possibilities, and I'm affected by choice paralysis quite intensely sometimes. Because <laughs> yes. I'll go in for one thing, and I'll end up with twenty. How can I incorporate such a simplicity into my shopping trip? The main thing is our website. We have lots of planning tools on our website, so you can actually plan a lot of things out before you come. If you are that overwhelmed walking into the store, which some are, we do click and collect. So you can buy it online and then just swing by and pick it up so you don't have to come in if you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed or a bit stressed. For someone who's dealing with 600 pallets of stuff a day, is it a hassle to be like, okay, we've got to put these, you know, 400 folding chairs here, those 3,000 cups there. Oh, and Osha wants two placemats and a fork. Yeah. Like, is it, <laughs> is it a hassle putting those orders together? Like, how does that fit in with your logistical day? No, that's fine. Look, logistics actually is made up of the goods coming into the store, the goods going out of the store, and then the analytic team that actually puts it all together. So 
It's not just me. I have I'm Goods Flow in. We also have Goods Flow out, and we have Sales Supply and Support. So they're kind of like the analytical engine room, and with the togetherness part as well, I actually need them as much as they need me. Because in order to get your cup, or your your fork, and your placement out, I have to put it in there, and then the guys that are going to send it out to you have to have it ready to send out to you. So it does take all of us working together to get it there for you. When it all works, like when it's, you know, five minutes to go before the front doors open up in the morning and all the high reaches away, all the forklifts have been parked and everything's charging. What's it feel like as you walk through the empty aisles and it's all looking schmick? Most of the time we actually walk out together as a team as well. It's a real, and it's a real sense of accomplishment because you know what you've walked into. And then when you walk out, you can see what you've done. And it's so gratifying. It is so gratifying. And then we all go and have a Gatorade and a croissant. We're wrecked by the end of it, but it's really, really satisfying. I have five very quick questions for you. Okay. And now what's your favorite thing about working at Ikea? The people and the products. What's one thing that people don't know about Ikea, but should? We spend a lot of time and energy in renewing our processes and our products to make sure that they are sustainable. If you choose to go to social media, where do you choose to go? Uh, Pinterest. I do like Pinterest. You do not have uh, one of these things in your home, but what is your favourite TV show? (laughs) Do you know what? I don't know because I haven't watched TV in probably the last five years, so I'm not actually too sure. No, it's fine. It's perfect. If you could be someone else for a day, who would you be and why? Oh, look, to be honest, I'm happy being me, but look, maybe I could be Harry Potter, you know, it'd be pretty good to have some magic powers. You know what? I could possibly also be Anna Wintour. I mean, she has drivers. I have drivers. I'm pretty much Anna Wintour. No. (laughs) You've got shoes. She's got shoes. She's got access to a lot of shoes. It has been an absolute delight to speak with you. I just adored hearing in your voice. I just adored hearing the sense of satisfaction that you were recalling when you put the whole store back together and the whole thing's replenished for another big day. It was just marvellous to hear that in your voice because I truly, I get it. I get how great that must feel to put the whole thing together, make the whole thing neat and square and say, all right, sales, over to you. It must feel awesome. Thanks for sharing that with me. Oh, it's so good. Thank you so much. It's been awesome to talk to you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind the Brand, the co-workers of IKEA. Make sure you subscribe to hear the next episode. Thanks for listening. 